Well, praise the Lord and good morning, everyone. Just want to honor God in our very being. Just want to say thank you to the Most High God, to the true and the mighty God, to the only living God, a God that hears us. He feels what we feel. He is concerned with what's going on in our lives. And I just want to thank him. I just want to thank him that he accepted me as his child. That he, that he gave me the power to become the son and the daughter of God. Even to them that believe on his name. I just want to thank God for all we have to do is believe on his name. You know, and I, I just appreciate him. He made it so easy for us to turn to him. You know, we don't have to turn to another. You know, we can turn to him in all of our situations, all of our shortfalls. So we just thank God for all things and we just honor him. You know, I was thinking this morning, well, been having this thought in my head for quite a while about how God, I think Pastor's going to go ahead and mute us. All participants are muted and they can unmute themselves. All right. So I, I've had this thought in my head, my heart, my spirit for quite a while, and I know it was given to not only myself, but my husband as well, Pastor Lester, who is my husband, and we do pastor together as one. Um, I appreciate God for that, that he brought us together as one under marriage, uh, and his pastorship that he's given to us. But you know, um, a couple of weeks ago, we started teaching, preaching about the good news of the gospel. And uh, a few days ago, you know, I just heard God say to me, more good news. And as I began to think about what I was going to speak about this morning, it just kept resonating in my heart and in my spirit. More good news. And I'm telling you, there is so much good news for us, and it all hinges on what Jesus has done for us. The fact that he died, that we could be free. The fact that he exchanged his righteousness and took away our sin. You know, God has made promises to his people. And we are his people. We are the sheep of his pastor. And if you look in the book of 2 Corinthians, the first chapter and the 20th verse, it says, for all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. I mean, that in itself is so awesome. For all, not some, but all the promises of God. Everything God have told us he would do. All of his promises 
it says in him, speaking of in Jesus now, it didn't come about because of what man did. This is in Jesus. These promises are yay, or in other words, you can say yes. And in him is amen. That word amen is me. I'm agreeing with it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus said he's agreeing with what God has promised us. You know, and, and when we give God back the promises that he has already pledged to us, Jesus is saying yes to that. Amen to that. It said, unto the glory of God by us. In other words, we got to give him back these promises that he said to us. We have to go to the promises. We have to count on the promises. And what it's going to do, when we open our mouths and we begin to declare the promises and they happen, it's going to bring glory to God. Mm -hmm. See, we have to understand there is, in God promises, no yes or no. It's only yes in God's promise. And that's what brought about because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's eternal yes. Means when you're dealing with God promises, it's always yes. God will never promise us something and then we're counting on these promises and then he say no. He'll never do that because he will never go back on his word. Never. Mm, mm, mm. For those who trust God, it's always yes when it comes to his promises. For no matter how many promises God have made, they are yes in Christ. Mm, mm, mm. And so through him, through Jesus Christ, the amen, meaning the agreement, is spoken by us to bring glory to God. Now, Jesus Christ, he's the one that reveals the promises. You know why? Because Jesus Christ is the word of God. And we read God's word and we see the promises. But the word on paper is not enough. Jesus brought this word to life. So when we look at it, Jesus Christ, listen to this. He reveals the promises. He fulfills the promise. And he enables us to proclaim and to claim the promises of God. Now, when we really look at this thing, Man can make a promise to us, and a lot of times man will make promises, and it might be in his heart, and he might want to keep the promise and, and, and want to fulfill the promises and try very hard to give it all that he or she had within them to try and fulfill the promises that they made and be unsuccessful. You know why? Because man is not always capable. The heart may be willing, but the flesh is weak. Come on now. But God, God is willing and God is able. Oh, 
oh my God, he is able to do everything that he said he would do. And that includes every promise that he has made to us. I tell you, I just, I just want to give him thanks this morning because he is true to his word. He, I cannot name a time in my life that God didn't keep his promise to me. He has gone above and beyond to do for me, to give to me, and to be with me. I thank you, Jesus. Now, I think a lot of times people get confused, including myself, with the things we want and the promises of God. See, sometimes we try to throw the things we want in there with the promises of God and think God is going to treat it like his promise. There is a marked difference between what I want and what God has promised me. And I need to be sure about that. And how do I do that? By studying the word of God. And I thank God for each and every one of you who have gotten up with us six in the morning to study God's word. And that's how we learn about the promises of God. Now remember, do not be confused. Don't confuse God's promises with the things that we can want or desire as an individual. See, the things we pray for and we ask God for is not always his promises. He is only obligated to his promises, his word. But the wonderful thing about that, he have made so many promises to us, you know, and I, I do know for a fact in my life, he have kept each and every one of them. In other words, just because we want it doesn't mean that it's a promise. His promises are in his word. And so let's take a look at just a few of his promises. Now, even these few that I'm going over, remember, this is not even a drop in the bucket to what God had promised his children. Uh, one of the promises I would like to look at, uh, God promised us that he would be with us. When we take a look in the book of Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 5th verse, it said, let your conversation be without covetousness, meaning don't let your conversation be dishonest, be of dishonest gain, wanting things that are not yours or just being greedy. But it goes on to say, and be content with such things as ye have. For he, and he is God in this scripture, have said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And this promise right here let us know that no matter what we have or what we don't have, as long as God is with us, we are rich. We can accomplish anything. All our needs are met as long as God is with us. 
And so he has promised us that he would not leave nor forsake us. When you look at the end of this scripture, he said, I will never. That word never means just exactly what it says, never. Leave thee nor forsake thee. In other words, I won't be there and then just leave you hanging. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And I count on that promise. Regardless to what we go through in our lives, we've got to realize that God is with us. If we're a child of God, if we believe on God, if we have accepted God, because one of the scriptures I used when I first opened, John, the book of John, the first chapter and the 12th verse, and it reads, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's who the promises are made to. Oh, my God. And you know, if at this point in your life, if you're hearing this and you haven't accepted him as Lord and Savior and you haven't made a declaration that you believe in him. You can always go to the book of Romans, the 10th chapter, verse 9 and 10, and you can accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can always do that at any given time. That's why the word said, now faith is, meaning right now, wherever you're at in life, you know, if you backslid, if you've never been saved, whatever the situation is, right now in your life, you have the opportunity to declare the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, to accept him in the pardon of your sin, to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. You have that opportunity right now. And this is why we should never try to say who God has saved and who he hasn't saved. Who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Some of the very people that, that others have spoken and said was going to hell, they're going to be in heaven. And the ones who judge them just might be in hell. This is why we shouldn't judge. This is why we should just allow God to be God and not step over in his lane. And we should study to show ourselves approved that we'll stay in our own lane. We'll know what part is ours and what part is God. And I thank God that he made this promise to me that he will be with us always, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's the first promise I'm, I wanted to look at. The second promise is he promised us that he would protect us. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. And I do want to say this. Even though I might only be given one or two scriptures for these promises, there are many, many other scriptures that support it. But because of the sake of time, for the sake of time, and that there are so many promises that I don't even think I'll get to even all the ones I studied and made a note of for this morning. But you know what? Um, that's okay. 
we're forever getting to know God and build this relationship with God. And so as long as God give us breath, we have more time to learn of him. Second promise, he will protect us. If you look in the book of Psalms and you jot these down or you can turn to them, the book of Psalms, the fifth chapter, verse 11 says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Mm, mm, mm. That in itself is a mouthful. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. When you look at that word defense, that means he protect. He defends us. He is our protection. The Bible says in the book of Job how they prayed a hedge of protection. Job would get up and pray for his kids daily. And God honored that prayer. But it came a time in those children's lives that they needed to serve God for themselves. And, you know, even now, as we pray, not only a hedge of protection around ourselves, but around our children and our family, God defends us. He defends us. He is our defense. Let me tell you. Nothing can happen to us unless the Lord allow it to. And it's going to come a day and a time when we're all going to go and be with the Lord. And I thank God that if we have given our life to him, if we have taken him as our Lord and Savior and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we will be with the Lord. And so here we see that he is our defense. The Bible says that he defendeth them. I, I love this song because it said, let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. We got a reason to rejoice if we put our trust in God. If our trust lie in what God has said to us, we have a reason to rejoice. We have a reason to shout for joy because it is God that defends us. Mm, mm, mm. And that's why we love his name and we are joyful in him. The third promise I would like to look at is the fact that he will be our strength. Mm, mm, mm. The Lord God would be our strength. Isn't that something? When you we take a look at the awesomeness of God and realize that God is our strength. Not another, but our strength comes from the Lord, God Almighty. God is our strength. And he will be our strength as long as we call upon his name. The Lord God Almighty, he is the strength of our life. I'd like to go to the book of Daniel, if you can do that. If we go to the book of Daniel and look at the 10th chapter, 
if you kind of remember what this chapter was about, remember God prayed unto, uh, I'm sorry, Daniel prayed unto God, and he was waiting for an answer. And while he waited, you know, God sent an angel to minister to Daniel, but the angel told Daniel the reason why it took 21 days for him to get there. And when we look at it, and we let's look at verse, this is the book of Daniel, the 10th chapter, starting at verse 18. So just setting it up, we realize that this is when God is... Daniel has prayed unto God, and he is waiting on this answer. And the angel comes to him with an answer, and he tells Daniel why it took him so long. And so he goes on, and in verse 18 it says, Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man. And he strengthened me. I'm telling you, this is a promise from God that he will be our strength. Verse 19, and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee. Be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, listen what Daniel said, I was strengthened. And said, let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. You know, it can be times in our lives, brothers, we prayed so hard or we waited on an answer for so long. What we feel is long because God always send the answer at the right time. Sometimes we want things before it's due before it's best for us. You know, sometimes there are times in our life that if God answered that prayer now, we would take the holy things of God and waste it. You know, sometimes we pray God, pray to God and ask him to bless us financially. When God has seen our uh, past, and if we look at our own past, have we been so wasteful? God will sometimes give us enough to make it through until we mature to a point that we stop wasting. You know, God has never been into wasting. Even when Jesus fed the 5,000, you know, when he took the fish and the bread and he multiplied it, where it fed five, over, really over 5,000 people because you got to count the women and the children, but he sit them down and he fed them. But afterwards, he said, collect the fragments. Take up the fragments. See, he wasn't even into wasting then. He knew that he could provide as much as he needed or wanted to. But God does not waste. And sometimes what he will do is strengthen us that we can keep going until we mature to that point where we can handle the blessing. So we see here, Daniel said, he said, Thou hast strengthened me. You have made me strong. 
He tells God. I love it when he said in verse 19, he said, oh man, greatly beloved, fear not. I'm telling you, we are greatly beloved of God. We have nothing to fear. I don't care how weak our natural body may feel. God is our strength. He will strengthen us. I'm telling you, we will mount up, oh my God as evil wings. You know, he will give us the strength that we need. He will give us his very own strength. After he tell him that he's greatly beloved, he said, fear not. Peace be unto thee. And then he goes on and say, be strong. I love it that he uses those two words, be strong. You know why? Because he know God have already placed that strength within us by his spirit. So now we don't have to muster up any strength. We just have to use the strength that is within us by the power that worketh in us. It says in Ephesians, the third chapter and the 20th verse, there is a power that worked within us and that power is the spirit of God. We're able to do more than we think we can. And we just have to allow God's strength to take reign in us. He said, and when he has spoke unto me, Mm, mm, mm. Sometimes that's all you need is God to speak to you. All you need sometimes is to hear a word from the Lord to ignite that strength within you. You know, sometimes we allow the things of God to lie dormant in us. It's not that we don't have the strength or that we don't have the spirit of God within us. But we have allowed it to just lie there. Sometimes we have to take a step of faith and activate it ourselves by speaking that word and by being strong. He said, yay, be strong. And then Daniel said, and when he had spoken to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for thou has strengthened me. Daniel had to acknowledge the strength that he felt in himself from God. The fourth thing, because I see time is winding up on us, the fourth promise I would like to look at is the fact that God promised us. He said, I will answer you. I love something that Pastor Lester says all the time. He said, just because we haven't gotten an answer yet that we hear, that we know, that doesn't mean it's no. He said, delay is not a denial. Just because it's delayed, that doesn't mean God is denying us of what we're asking him for. If it's in his promises, he will give it unto us. If you look in the book of Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter, and the third verse, this is what God is saying to us. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And, and that's the wonderful thing about God. Not only will he answer us, 
but he'll show us great and mighty things which we knoweth not. God will show us some things we never seen before, we never heard of before, that we can't even imagine. It has not even entered into the heart of man the things that God will show us. In the book of Isaiah, the 65th chapter and the 24th verse, it reads, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. Oh, look at God. Isn't that a loving and a wonderful father? He said, before you even call out to me, before you even ask me, before you even open your mouth, I will answer. And listen what he said. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. You hadn't even said it yet, but God has already heard it. Isn't he a wonderful and a loving father? One who looks after us when we don't even look after ourselves. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being the father that you are to us. Thank you for being so loving, so kind, so understanding to us. I really believe the next one, the fifth promise that I wrote down is probably the last one I'll be able to get in, even though I have more, but we'll save it for another time. Promise number five, he says, I will provide for you. That's a good father right there. He said, I will provide for you. If you look in the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter and the 19th verse. It reads, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This is so amazing to me. He says, But my God shall supply not man, not your job, not how hard you work, not how smart you are, not how I've spent time uh, building my career, working in college. You know, everything we do, God has given us the strength to do it. Even when we went on the path of life, you know, and we didn't even have a plan. God already had a plan for us how he would supply all of our need. And I love what he said. It said, according to his riches in glory. Jesus is in glory. God is in glory. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So many times we look for things here on this earth. I'm not saying don't have a plan. I'm not saying don't work hard at what you're doing. But I am just saying understand that it's God that gives us the strength to do. Do you realize how many people wish they could get out and work? Wish they had a job. Wish they could further their education. You know, but look at us. Look how God, some of us hold jobs and have held jobs without the educational background, 
that was needed, but we have that job because God gave it to us. When man said no, God said yes, and God gave it to us, you know. I'm quite sure you can, and I know I can. I can look back in my past because I've worked jobs, different jobs, and when people said no, I remember a job I applied for, uh, which would have been just a um, transfer in the same hospital. And people told me, oh, no, the supervisor over there, her good friend is applying for that job. I don't even know why you're wasting your time because that's her good friend and, and, and she's going to give her the job. That's why I'm, they would tell me, that's why I'm not going to waste my time. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, thank you, Lord Jesus. That's one out the way. They're not even putting in an application, so there's no competition for me. I prayed. I asked God for it. I've been working a night shift. I wanted a day shift so I could be with my family. That job offered days, 8.30 to five Monday through Friday. I wanted to be able to go to church with my family and God knew my heart and my desire and I went to God for the job. I didn't listen to what people said. I counted on God because I know God have riches and glory. I know God hold the heart of the king in his hand and that when you look at that scripture back in that day it was kings and, but what that scripture is saying, the person in charge, he holds the heart of that person in his hand. And I went and I applied. After I applied for the job, they called me for the interview and I went in. And it was, you know, I could have got mad because they scheduled me for an interview two or three times. And the person who was to interview me wasn't even there. But you know what? I didn't get upset because I wasn't counting on that person to give me that job. I was counting on God. See, this is what we have to understand. It is God that will give us and fulfill our needs and provide for us. He might use people to do it, and some of them don't even know they're being used by God. But long story short, I got the job. And I thank God to this day for that job that he gave me. And that's why a lot of times, see, when we go through things like this with God, because I know a lot of you have been through similar things and you see the hand of God working in your life. So we learn to count on God for the things we need. And one other scripture I'd like to look at just to... Uh, sure up this point that God will provide for us when we look in the book of Luke the 12th chapter verse 24 now this is Jesus speaking he says consider the ravens for they neither sow nor reap which neither have storehouses nor barns and God feedeth them how much more are ye better than the fowls? Oh, look at the Lord. Look at him. He said, these ravens, they don't plant. They plant nothing. 
They don't go and pick the fruit or the vegetables off the vine. They don't reap. But God still feeds them. He said they don't even have storehouses of barn. They don't have a place where they can store their food. It said, but God feed them. And you know if God would take care of a raven, how much better, or you can interpret that, how much more do God love his children than a bird that he will provide for us? And so here we see that God have made promises to us. But what we must keep in mind, in my closing, I want to remind you of the scripture I opened with in the second book of Chronicles, the first chapter, verse 20. For all, it didn't say some, for all the promises of God in him, speaking of in Jesus, are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God. Bible. I'm sorry, did I say Chronicles? Yeah. I'm sorry. I meant to say thank you, Pastor Lester. Thank you, Jesus, for two of us. Second Corinthians. I'm sorry. It's the scripture I open with with in the book of Second Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 20. And I'll read it again. For all the promises of God in him are yea. And in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. So all the promises of God, they're yes and they're amen. I just want to thank God for the word this morning, and I want to close out with prayer. Father, you put all things under the feet of Jesus and gave him to be over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all we are dead in trespasses and sins but you made us alive Christ is our peace and we are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Jesus is our cornerstone. Thank you, Lord. Father, you want us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ Jesus who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God and robust in love. May we be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. As the elect of God, holy and beloved, we put on tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, 
bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If we have a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave us, so we also must forgive each other. Above all things, we put on love, which is the bond of perfection, of maturity, and let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to which also we were called in one body, and we are thankful for that, Lord. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. We keep a full grip on the promises that keep us going. Father, you always keep your word. You have kept every promise that you have ever made to us. Now we will see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out not avoiding worship together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the day approaching. Father, we give you thanks for each and every one of your promises that you have made to us because we are sure, God, that each and every one of them are yea in him and in him Amen. Unto the glory of God. By us. That's how you'll use us to be glorified. That your promises shall be seen in our lives. So we thank you, Lord. We give you honor. We praise you. We glorify you. And we walk in your promises throughout our day. That others might see. And we'll be able to witness of your goodness, Lord. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Good evening, everyone. Amen. This is your pastor, Pastor Lester and Sharon Hayes. Amen. Coming at you tonight. Amen. Another Thursday night wisdom call and Bible study. We just welcome all of you tonight, our listeners tonight, our participants tonight. We welcome all of you tonight with your insights and with your comments going to come later. But we just thank the Lord that you did not think it robbery to take some time after you worked all day and, 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 and come on and get on the call tonight as a sense of duty. Because we know only what we do for the Lord is what's going to count in the end. And we know the whole duty of a man is to fear God and keep his commandments. But how can I fear what I don't know and what I haven't learned? And so we thank God. How can I keep commandments that I've never learned? Amen. So we're getting ready to learn some things about our awesome and amazing, incredible Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So again, I'd like to welcome all of you. Thank you so much for chiming in tonight, getting on with us. We welcome our very own pastors, Pastor Eric and Phoebe Davis. Uh, we welcome our ministers, Minister Smith and Minister Biggers. We welcome, amen, all of you tonight, precious souls in the sight of God. We just thank and praise you for being here tonight, amen. A lot of things going on still in this world we live in. 
it's still ungenerate. It's still dark out there and it's gross darkness everywhere. We have we have uh, crisis is going on, pandemics are going on, but they're declining slightly. Amen. We thank God for those de those decreases and those those declines. Amen. We thank God that the vaccines are beginning to get to people. There are new vaccines being being increased are being made, getting to the people, amen, whatever that be, mobile abilities, people getting to churches, whatever. They got sites all over the place now. So there should be enough vaccine to cover everybody within this 100 days and beyond. So we give God praise for that. We pray for that. We can expect that. We see that now manifesting. So we thank God for our prayers. We thank God that we didn't wait. We started praying long ago as God instructed us, commanded us as he created this creating a prayer culture for God to take on these major issues. Amen. While everybody else is bickering, murmuring and complaining, we decide to spend our time every morning at 6 a.m. coming back on Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, Sunday to lift up the name of Jesus and watch him move by his spirit. And we give him all the praise, the glory and the honor. What man can't do, God would do as he's opened up doors that nobody could. He's opened closed doors that nobody could. And people are getting the help that they need. And we thank God for being such a loving and caring and patient and long-suffering God who loved us so much that we he wants us so much to live our life like we're valued by him. Like, you know, like like he that we belong to him, you know, and he's showing some ownership by doing these things he's doing, keeping that wind of heaven open over us, pouring out those blessings that there's not room enough for us to receive them. So we love the Lord tonight and we thank all of you tonight. Amen. And so just want to encourage you tonight. Amen. Thank him so much for everything that he does. My God, in the morning, all day long and all through the night, we give God praise because he does not forsake us. He doesn't leave us. He's always with us, even to the end of the age. We can count on God. We can depend on God. We can trust God. We can rely on God. We can be confident in God and we can hope in him to the very end, working out our own salvation with free and trembling that we might be saved. So as we come tonight, again, I'd like to welcome all of you from around the world, wherever you're chiming in from, amen, Cashbox Live, whatever the platform tonight, we just want to welcome you other clergy out there, amen, other saints out there from other ministries, amen. This is not about what they call sheep stealing and all of that. This is just we realize we're gifts to the body. We want to use these gifts to edify the body, to build up people and mature them and perfect them for the work of ministry because we can't do all this work by ourselves. But we believe that signs and wonders do follow those who believe. Amen. And in his name, you'll be able to do great exploits and work for the Lord that Jesus did in greater work. And we thank the Lord tonight for the Holy Ghost tonight. He's our teacher, the spirit of truth, our paraclete, the one that lives on the inside is with us, the one who walks alongside of us, just omnipresent. God, Emmanuel, God with us tonight is interpreted. Amen. And so we give God praise. And the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, our awesome, amazing, incredible Lord and Savior, we ask you to have your way tonight. You teach this Bible study tonight. You give insight tonight. You give enlightenment tonight. You open eyes tonight and cause us to behold and see wondrous things from the plan of God. Send us a word of wisdom. Take the cover off tonight. Let the revelations begin to flow tonight. Let the revealing and the, the unfolding and the envelop unenveloping un un tonight come forward that the people of God may be able to hear the word of God and receive faith going forward, that they'll be able to forget everything that's behind them and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus is our prayer and desire tonight. We continue to pray all previous prayers, lifting up those in Texas, lifting up those in the other four states, and even this storm that 
that is coming through now, rainy storm in the south. We're just praying, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you would chill, protect, and watch over your people. Keep them secure and safe as we run right now to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are safe, Lord. Hide us under the shelter of the Almighty as we say of the Lord, you are our refuge and our fortress, and in you do we put our trust. All God Almighty, our blessings, we honor you tonight in Jesus' name. You take the honor and the praise, for it all belongs to you. In Jesus' name, bless those on the line tonight. Give ears to hear tonight. And Lord, just speak to each and individual heart and speak to us as a corporate body of believers tonight. Oh, that we might hear the word of the Lord tonight, that our faith might be strengthened and increased tonight, that we may learn tonight, Lord, what it is that you desire that we learn tonight, because you know what's best for us. Now your will be done on this call tonight. In Jesus' name, to the glory of God, our Father, that the lost might hear, the backsliders might hear, and their product sons and daughters might hear and make an intelligent decision. It is time to serve the Lord. Amen. While it's daytime because nighttime is coming when no man will find him as they seek for him. Let this be the day of salvation unto the Lord. We pray in Jesus name. Amen and amen. All in agreement say amen and say amen again to God be the glory. All right then. Well, let's get in this word tonight. We want you to turn over to the book of John chapter 9. We're going to pick our study up tonight around about verse 20, 21 and go as far as we can. Amen. And by way of review, thank God for Pastor Sharon teaching that awesome word this morning. Thank all of you for your comments this morning. Thank you for praying. I was able to get over to the VA this morning at 745 and get my blood work done and all of that and do a few other uh, tests and and things over there. Amen. And that went well. So thank you for your prayers there. Amen. We're just waiting uh, for the video conference I'm going to have with my primary care doctor on the 3rd of March. So we thank God and believe in him for a good report right now. Thank God that Sister King and Angie, Angel and Terrell got off this morning. Well, they drove to Orlando and caught a flight. They're probably in California by now. Uh, you, you linked up with a husband who's going through a pre-retirement uh, uh, celebration that they're throwing for him out there. So we thank God that they were able to be there and keep him safe. We thank God that our son Alex is on his way home driving back from Texas out there doing yeoman's work, delivering water to those thirsty people, fresh drinking water. And he's on his way traveling home. He stayed out a little bit longer this time. Been out for a number of days. Uh, got his truck, man, you know, just, just doing the will of the Lord. Amen. J.C. Christ. And dedicating on his business by naming it after Jesus Christ. And so we give God praise for that, keeping him safe. He's, he's on his way home to re reunite with his family. So we thank God for watching over him and covering him with the blood of Jesus. And any of you that are out there on the road traveling, just be careful. There is some serious rainy weather supposed to be coming through the south. So just protect yourself. And we still have this uh, variance, these different variants and COVID stuff still going on. So just do the right thing. You still got some upset people out there, you know, extremists that want to take stuff out on innocent people. So they haven't gone away. So just protect yourself and be wise as a serpent. All right, then. So let's get in here tonight. Amen. And take a look at this word. Uh, we were talking the other day, I think Monday morning, how <clears throat> how Jesus is there and he opens up the blind man's eyes, not only physically, but he also opens them spiritually. And so when uh, there, a bunch of questions came uh, in response to that, uh, you know, amen. And it just seems like you know, anytime Jesus is moving by his spirit, even today and trying to do some work. And it's always been the case with Jesus because he does things that are so incredible that no man can take any credit. Yeah, it can generate questions, but I'm just, I'm just concerned about the kind of questions that people have about Jesus, you know, but 
I don't, we don't have to go out of the way to find an answer because I remember Jesus telling me, he said, look, you don't have to convince people who I am. I'll do that myself. Just make sure that if I do something for you, you can defend that, that you know it was me. And this is the same situation this blind man was put in. I can sit here and tell you of three marvelous things, just to name a few that Jesus did for me. And I know it was Jesus because nobody else could have done it. And I'm pretty sure you have several testimonies. We have testimonies in our archives of things that we know nobody could have done but God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it always generates questions when you try to tell people, you know, look at what the Lord has done. He's done great things for me. And for that, I'm glad, you know, he healed me. He, he saved me. He filled me. He did this. He opened that door for me. He gave me that promotion. He gave me that job. He touched this person over here that we pray for. You know, all of these wonderful things, man, that, you know, that, that, that Jesus do always seem to generate questions by unbelievers those who are in doubt. Amen. A lot of times it's motivated by jealousy and envy. And sometimes fear will cause people to be divided on opinions, even though they're standing there, man, looking at the miracle. They can't deny it. They can't dispute it, but they want to question it. Amen. And so when there are questions, though, about who Jesus is, seems like that was the conversation he had with Peter. Peter, who do men say that I am? He knew they had questions in their hearts, some, some ill thoughts about him. You know, this was all new for them. You know, this revelation is brand new. They never seen a man do, speak, think like what Jesus was doing. You know, going in their synagogues, preaching where they used to preach. And there was no miracles when they were preaching. The, you know, the elders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees trying to create their own righteousness. It just wasn't working. It was falling short. And Jesus in turn called them a den of vipers. And he called them hypocrites, you know, because they were trying to do something that they wasn't called to do. Didn't have the power to do. And so he was going in there, man, doing, making easy work out of it preaching and teaching, you know, the kingdom of God. His father was, was, was a spiritual kingdom. And at the same time, healing all manner of sickness and disease, like it was just his, 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 his job to do that. He was touched by compassion by all of this. And so it was just amazing, but it generated a lot of questions about who Jesus is. And there's always going to be a witness in it. I don't care where you go, man. There's always going to be at least one witness. Amen. But he said, when there are two or three witnesses, we can let every word be established. There was more than, than one or two, but there's always going to be one. Amen. And so thank God for the faithful witness. Amen. We are witnesses. Amen. And so there's always going to be a witness, uh, a testimony somewhere. You know, uh, here's a blind man, you know, like a, a whole string of people that was there a witnessing this because they had to been healed. So it was more than just this blind man. He was just the one that it was his day to be healed. It was his day to receive his sight. But the Lord always establishes his word and what he's doing and who he is by having at least one witness. You know, to he and here he left a whole string of witnesses. You got to remember when he started this back in Capernaum at the wedding feast, he made the water wine, and he's been doing a string of miracles, man, all the way. And some people said he was good. This is a good man. They received, you know, uh, their healing. They got up off of off a of bed of of afflictions. You know, the leprosy was healed. So there's at least two or three witnesses where this is all being established. It's just this particular day. It was this blind man trying to receive not only his physical healing from birth, but also his spiritual healing. So Jesus is, you know, is, is always there to answer the questions, to leave witnesses and to leave testimonies with the people. 
because there are always going to be some questions about who it was that healed us. You know, uh, it, it always seemed to raise up different opinions concerning Jesus Christ when miracles occur and when they take place. And this is where a lot of times you find fear. See, like fear hangs around these places where there is a difference in opinion. This is why we all got to be one voice crying out to God. This is why we all got to have a common uh, ground to stand on, which is the word of God, because nobody can dispute the word of God. Nobody can argue. You can question it, but you can't dispute it, you know, because it's infallible. It's authentic. It has an originator. It was God breathed, inspired by God, breathed out by God on all these witnesses. It's good for doctrine. It's good for reproof. For reproach is good reproof is good for correction is good for instruction and in righteousness it's good you know that the men and women of god can be thoroughly furnished and prepared for every good work so nobody can dispute the truth god wants us to know it he wanted to make us free and if it makes us free then we're free indeed and we know jesus christ was the incarnated word of god he's the living word right here and he's performing like the living word is supposed to perform and you think people be jumping and shouting all over the place man but it generated question because there's such a divide here on opinions so many different opinions my god you know you're looking at these miracles forget about what day it is that they took place you know because it is jesus christ who can open both physical eyes and blind eyes and spiritual blind eyes man what an amazing thing that just took place that he opened this man's eyes and not only do this man receive his sight but he also receives spiritual sight and he actually can see jesus and he responds to him by he want to follow him. He want to witness for him. He want to testify by him. Isn't that amazing how this thing not only touched him physically, but it touched him spiritually. Amen. And so we understand from this that it doesn't matter. They were tripping about the day of the week. It was the Sabbath day. But you know what? God is God. Seven days a week, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, anytime, any place, anywhere with anybody. If you just believe, amen. And so we're going to pick up our discussion right there with that said tonight. Go to verse 20 here in the ninth chapter of the book of John, amen, chapter 9. And let's go to verse 20 right here and pick up this discussion, understanding that, you know, healing and, and, and eyes being open sometimes, it can happen suddenly like we see here. Sometimes it could be gradually over a long period of time. It, just as long as we know that Jesus is the only one that can do both, open physical eyes, heal physical ailments, and also do a spiritual surgery and do spiritual work too to allow us to be able to behold and see wondrous things from his plan of salvation as we see right here. Amen. So verse 20 says, his parents answered them and said, who know that this is our son? You know, it said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. So now here it comes. Even the parents are testifying. Amen. Uh, they identify that it was their son because there's questions. There's questions. Now, you know, you think the, the leaders and the Pharisees would at least recognize Pastor Sheriff. This was one of their regular mm -hmm. members. This whole family attended, attended the synagogue. Yeah. So it wasn't a new face to them. They probably had seen him coming in with a little walking stick, you know, feeling his way around to get into the synagogue. So, you know, but it's, it, but it's just, you know, they wanted to try to generate fear in people because they didn't want their focus on Jesus. That was going to mess with their reputation because they had had these people, man, in the synagogue teaching them something, probably the law of Moses, teaching them about how, you know, how they were and, and, and probably putting on a show, sitting up there in the high seats, looking all sanctimonial and all that, but coming up short, no power, but they had word. They had word of the letter of the law, which was killing people until Jesus came on board. 
yes. you know. And so he comes in now, you know, and so all of a sudden they want to question the parents, like interrogate the parents. Because it's all about Jesus is targeted because they want to get around to accusing Jesus. They want to get around to dispelling this miracle that just happened. They want to try to create unbelief in the people's mind who witnessed this. You know, they want to discredit these witnesses, starting with the son, starting with the mother and the father. Amen. And so they identify that this is their son, as we see here. Verse 21, they says, but by what means he now see it? We know not. Or who hath opened his eyes? We know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. And so they denied being eyewitnesses, but they couldn't dispute that he had, it had happened. So they, there are different kinds of witnesses. I mean, if you don't know that something didn't happen, then don't be a false witness. Come on. But if you know something did happen, now you've been this man's parents all his life. Okay, so don't don't try to witness to something you don't know. Okay, that's a false witness. <clears throat> but if you know something, just witness to the level that you can witness to of what you know. You don't have to exaggerate. You don't have to add to. You don't have to take nothing from. You don't have to pretend, you know. And if you're a little bit fearful, okay, no problem. Just know that that fear didn't come from God. Okay, these people were intimidating you. The, you know, these questions were intimidating you. And you didn't, the, the, the greatest thing that these parents feared, Pastor Sharon, was this. Don't kick us out of the synagogue. It's sort of like David. David said, well, you know, David said, you know, the one thing, man, I look forward to that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? Because it was something about seeking the presence of God in his house. They had other believers there. They had friends there. Even though these, these, these Pharisees and Sadducees wasn't preaching and teaching the unadulterated and fallible word of God, but because the people's heart was always together in the synagogue, why? They had heard that Jesus was coming through and he was going into their synagogue. They didn't want to miss the opportunity and chance to see what their son had just experienced when he encountered Jesus. They wanted to be in that synagogue because they heard how Jesus was just going from Capernaum into all the synagogues, preaching and teaching and doing miracles. Yes. And they wanted to witness him for themselves. So they yes. was like, they was like, hey, whatever you do, don't put us out of the synagogue because Jesus hadn't gotten here yet. We waiting on Jesus to show up. You know, and so they were kind of like, you know, denied that they were eyewitnesses, but man, they was hungry and ready to see it. They was ready to witness it, man. And so it goes on here, man, in verse, uh, it continues up here, it said, had seen him that he was blind. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Verse 22. It says, these words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. There it is right there. For the Jews had agreed already ahead of time, ain't they something, that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So they feared. They were already preachers. This, these parents, man, they had a little bit of insight. They knew what was coming. They knew where these people were at. They knew they were control freaks. They know they didn't have the real, real power of God to do no miracles because if they had, they didn't heal this son already. They knew they didn't have no authentic word of, word of God that was, that, was, that was inspired by the Holy Ghost. They knew, you know, but they were there not going to try to come up against them. And they didn't, they, they, didn't, they didn't want them to act out the prejudgment that they had already judged on them. They did not want to be excommunicated from all their friends and other family members. You know, they love the synagogue. They love gathering in the synagogue, you know, and they respected the Sabbath day. Mm. But here's a man that they don't know nothing about. They just heard about him. Mm. 
and his reputation has preceded him, his fame has preceded him. Come on, you know, let, let's go, let's make sure today we go to the synagogue. We want to see this passerby. We want to see this one that they're speaking so much about. Because the fame of him had gone up. Yes. You know, and they wanted to be eyewitnesses to it themselves, just like their son, you know. And so if you want to be an eyewitness, man, you got to be in the right place at the right time with the right people. Ain't you glad you on this line tonight? Ain't you glad that you get on here on a, every morning at 6 a.m.? You don't know what God might show up and do. Mm. But it behooves us to try to get there, to try to be in that place, to treat it like a sense of responsibility to be there because it just might be my day to eyewitness some things that Jesus is going to do. Might be some things he's going to communicate directly to me. And so even though they, 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 they wanted to be there like others, they were under the prejudgment of the Pharisees and Sadducees and elders, the threat of being excommunicated from the synagogue, which was a place of gathering. And they feared being banished from the synagogue, not only excommunicated, but banished, mm -hmm. you know, because they didn't want you up in there witnessing, talking about the Lord healed your son. Talking about Jesus healed your son. They did not want that word to get out because it threatened who they were. It threatened their power base. It threatened their control. It threatened their high seat that they were sitting in. Because all the people been coming to them and looking up to them. And yeah, they, they knew the five books of the law of Moses. They knew about Abraham. They knew he was their father. But they didn't know about this man called Jesus who could do these miracles, who could open physical eyes and now as we see he's beginning to open spiritual eyes and they ain't even met him yet come on isn't that something just a word about jesus man can change everything make it all right mm. just a word about jesus just a reputation about who he is you know and 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 if you, the minute you believe it your eyes can come open the minute you believe it you can walk in the victory mm. You know, anybody who come to him must first believe that he is who he say he is right. and that he can do what he said he's going to do. See, that's faith right there. Faith is that substance of things. Hope for the evidence of things not seen. Mom and pop hadn't seen Jesus yet. They seen their son, though. And that was good enough witness for them, you know. Mm. And so they couldn't they couldn't lie. I mean, look at how look at on, look at on the prejudgment threat of excommunication and being banished that they didn't lie. They didn't make up nothing pressure. No, they, they said we were not eyewitnesses to it. But we know it to be true. You know, he was, he's our child, you know, but, but he's of age now. But you can ask him who did it, but we just know he can see, you know, and that's good enough for us. Some, sometimes you just got to take a stand, man, on what is the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, your eyes are beholding, you see it, man, and, and sometimes people see it and still don't believe it. Mm. Sometimes people hear it and still don't believe it. Mm. Sometimes it happens to you and you're still struggling to believe it. Mm. I have actually heard pastors, when God did some mighty things in their, in their church among their saints, didn't do it to them now, skipped over them and blessed the saints. Bless and they were talking about, you know, I'm still having a hard time believing it real. Yeah. You know, just because it didn't happen, you know, they thinking, oh, you know, God's supposed to work through me. He supposed to, he, I'm supposed to know about this. This supposed, revelation supposed to come to me before it happened. Mm. God ain't held up by you. Come on, God. If God want to bless somebody, he'll bless them. He'll bless if he want to heal somebody, he'll heal them. He has no respect to person. Now, if everything in that ministry is flowing like it's supposed to, and God can trust you that you're not going to try to steal all the glory and steal all the mm. credit and take credit for it, he might send it through you. Mm. He might give you the word to share with them. Mm. But if he don't, that don't mean he's not going to be God when he want to be God. You know, he ain't limited by time, space, or, or you or me. God can do whatever he wants to do. Amen. And so we understand why these parents were kind of hesitant, but they told the truth. They were just honest people. You know, verse 23, he says, amen. He says, um, 
Therefore, said his parents, he is of age. Ask him. He is of age. Again, second time they tell him, stop beating us down. Y'all know how it used to be, man. They call you back there in the office. You know, possibly get all the ministers, get all the evangelists, get all the deacons, you know, get all of the mothers of the church. And you, the office only is so big, and you got all these musty people packed in the office back there. And they all question you, going around the room, got you in the middle of the circle, you know, want to know, why did you let Sue Ann do this? Or why did you let your son go to, you know, the basketball game or to the prom? Whatever the case might be, you know, you know, you know, you bringing shame on the church. You know, you know, you know. Why did you let her sass it back to Deacon so-and-so when they told her the dress was too short? She wore the trip. All these things, you know. Got that cell phone back there. You know, what you going to do about it, mama? You know, if you don't, we're going to set you down off your position, off your post. Wow. Any, any objections in the room? How you feel about that, Deacon so-and-so? You, you over the, you, you the head. How you feel about that, sister so-and-so? You oh, over the usher. Right. And so they got to get all these opinions of all these people because they wanted to be unanimous. Who's in charge? Mm. Well, y'all, y'all voted by it. I'm going to have the final vote if it's a tie. Now, if you want my opinion, let me tell you what my opinion is before y'all vote. Mm. Mm. My opinion is we, we, we got to have zero tolerance of this in the church. Mm. That, that usurping my authority, my power, you know. And I don't want nobody else thinking they can do this and get away with it. You know, no mercy, no grace, no, no forgiveness, man. No. You know, people are prone to make mistakes, my God. You know, and then the person, you know, but, 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 I apologize, Pastor. You know, they, 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 you know, they were wrong, and I, I already talked to them, Pastor. That ain't good enough. Mm. You know, just like they beat these parents down, that's, that just seems like how ministry is sometimes. You know, they want to beat you down instead of saying, well, you know, they made a mistake. Just make sure they don't do it again. Isn't that how Jesus did things? He or folks still took care of them, still loved on them, still gave them what they needed, still blessed them, and then told them, look, don't go and do that anymore. And it was finished. It was finished. Mm. See, nobody can do what Jesus can do. I don't care how long you've been the leader. I don't care how many generations the church has been in the ministry. None of y'all can be like Jesus. None of us can be like Jesus, can do what Jesus do. You know, we we, we try to strive to be Christ-like, but it's not an easy task. It's not a common task. We work at it. We strive to do what he said we was going to do what he did with the help of the Holy Ghost. And then even with that, we fall short. We come short of the glory of God. But it's nevertheless, we still try to work at it. You know, we have to understand our imperfections. If we try to act like that, you know, that we don't and that, you know, and we try to put our power and authority in front of the, the mercy and the grace and the love of God, because he said, by loving kindness, have I drawn thee? You got to deal with everybody in love because that's how God dealt with us. That's right. Speaking that truth and love without compromise. Well, I'm, we're trying to win the people to Jesus, not to us. Mm-hmm. And that's hypocritical. And so we see it here. Look at verse uh, 24 here. He says, then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. Now they talking about Jesus, just the voice of the Pharisees now. Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing sometimes how when people can't explain stuff, they try to discredit it? Yes. They don't try to explore, look in the scripture to try to see if the scripture provide any answer. Mm. They, don't go, they don't go take the advice they give everybody else. Go pray some more about it. You know, why not right there on the spot say, okay, I tell y'all what, mm-hmm. let's just join hands right now and pray and see if God going to reveal anything to us. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's the last thing on their mind. Mm-hmm. 
They want to continue to beat somebody up. If it ain't the parent, they're going to beat the individual down. You know, even though in their heart of hearts, we know they knew it was the truth. Mm. They, we know they know that Jesus was real. They know. You know they couldn't have died. They couldn't dispute it. But you know, you, you, you had prophetic word all that time prophesying mm-hmm. about the Messiah that was going to yes. come yes. and he was going to do these things. Come on. That these signs and wonders of the was going to follow him. Now he shows up, but he ain't the kind of character dressed in them short skin shoes and flying up in there and parked outside on a Learjet with, with, you know, with, with 25 bodyguards and all that. He didn't come that way. You know, Jesus just came walking along, man, doing things, going from city to city, on his way to the feast. You know, with this long look like a, a dress or something, dragging the ground with sandals on, feet dusty and dirty, beardy, you know, mm. with an entourage of people that he had previously healed following him from city to city, mm. town to town. You know, stopping along the way, inviting more friends to come on, man. He's going to the synagogue in the next town. We might get a miracle today. Mm. They didn't like that. It wasn't dressed up like them with these long robes on and these epileptic uh, uh, trimmings all around there with these scriptures rolled up and tucked down in the hem and all that. Jewels looking on. jewels all on, looking real sanctimonious, little hats on their heads, mm. sitting in the high seats in the synagogue. And this, this sinner going to come in here, man, and do these miracles? We got to find a reason to accuse him, discredit mm. him mm. in the work that he did. How many know it can't? It's still being done today. Come on. Nobody can do it like Jesus, y'all. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not, you know. Nobody can stop Jesus, man. He ain't even physically here, man, and miracles are still being done. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That word go out and don't come back for it. So they demanding that the healed man deny Jesus. Mm? Deny Jesus, you know. They want him to deny Jesus, you know. They can't do nothing about the miracle, but they want him to deny Jesus. Isn't that something? They want they, they, they can't touch the miracle because the man is sin. They done tried before. They done beat up the parent. Now they want this man to go back to the source. We need you to deny Jesus. Isn't this kind of like the same spirit that was up in the, in the White House, even going on today? These people still perpetrating this lie, trying to get them to deny that what just happened happened. You know, God took the old out and put the, promoted the new. Isn't it amazing that that spirit is still around? trying to get them to deny the truth. Verse 25, he says, and he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. So look at this man. This is how you overcome the lie. With a testimony of the truth. With a testimony of what actually happened. Now you go figure. This is all I know. Is that I was born blind, I was blind today, and all of a sudden I met Jesus, and Jesus put some spittle on my eye, was made with, he made a mixture, and told me to go to the pool of Salon <laughs> and wash, and now I'm able to see. You know, and so this man ain't giving up his testimony. You know, parents didn't witness it, but I did. I'm the recipient of it. I can't deny Jesus. I can't deny that it was Jesus because I would be denying my own miracle, you know. But now I see Jesus saved me and gave me my sight. Mm. He mm. healed me physically and he opened my eyes spiritually. Just mm. like the prophets had said he was going to do. Mm. And I know him by this miracle. I know him by what he did. Mm. You know, you know. And so I can't give no credit. Y'all have had me all my life in the synagogue with my parents and never called me up and anointed my head with oil and laid hands on me and prayed yeah. for me to receive my sight one time. And now you have the audacity 
to get me, try to force me to deny what just happened when we heard that this was Jesus was going about doing in the synagogues. Come on. You know, and teaching people the kingdom of God, expanding his kinmanship, those who that was going to hear the word and do it, you know. Mm. Why ain't you doing it? You hearing it, you know. And he goes on in verse 26 and he said, Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? Mm. Asking the man a question. Man, I told him a hundred times. Come on, y'all. How open he thine eyes? I done told you. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you. I ain't changing that. My that's my testimony. Exactly. You know, I'm I'm not going to change it. I've already told you that. You've asked me once. I've told you. Uh, you know, the, you know, there's clear evidence that I had been you know uh, presented, but rejected and doubted. You know, you, you're doing all of this to me. I presented myself to you, not able to see. You rejected me. You resented me. So why am I going to tell you the same thing for more resentment and more rejection? You know, and, and, and not only me, I, you know, I'm, I'm a nobody. But the one who did this, you rejected him too. You denied him too. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus said, you know, they're they going to hate you because they hated me. That's right. You know what I'm saying? They're going to they gonna doubt your testimony just like they doubted the, the, the one you're testifying about. That to, that is to be expected. He said, you know, anybody who try to live godly gonna suffer persecution uh-huh. in this life. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because be I've already overcome cheer. this world. This That's man right. is trying to be of good cheer. This yes. man is excited. He's seeing something he ain't never seen before. Uh-huh. People, he can actually see his parents. <laughs> he can see his accusers. Uh-huh. He can see the one that's rejecting him. You know, he can see them. You know, his accusers. Goes on in verse um, in verse um, twenty seven, and he says. He answered them, I have told you already, right. and ye did not hear. Wherefore, would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Is that why you're trying to hear this? Yeah. Is that why you want me to wit- keep witnessing to you? Are you planning on doing what I'm doing now, following him? Uh-huh. You know, this man is turning into an instant witness. You know, he's trying to win souls. He's trying to use his Come miracle on. to win souls, y'all. And he's starting at the top. He's starting at his accusers. Mm-hmm. He's starting at Jesus' accusers. He's trying to win them over. He's trying to be like Paul. When Agrippa said, Paul, almost thou persuaded me. You mm-hmm. besides yourself. Mm-hmm. This man is besides himself right now. He just caught up in the spirit. You know, and he telling him, are you trying to become a disciple? I just believe like I believe. You know, verse 28, he says, then they reviled him and said, thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. So now, you know, they, 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 they send Jesus as being from God. And boy, that was a problem. They, cause they thought they were from God. Isn't that amazing? Most of these religions out here, 4,200 of them think they represent God, but they still worshiping idols. They still got Buddha sitting on the counter. They still got Jesus on the cross. You know, they still got mother Mary outside the building. You know, these big idols, these big abominable things. Mm. You know, and they really think they worshiping God. Mm. You know, three crosses sitting out there in the field where they have services at. You know, don't talk about the cross. Just go out there by the cross. Don't talk about the one who died on the cross, but they got the cross. They go out to have services by the cross. Mm. Do revivals out there. Mm. Bring in all kind of bands and they, they go outside now, man. It's just have a foot stomping good time out there. You know, you know. Celebrating, celebrating, celebrating. But don't talk about the cross. Don't talk about the one in the, the man in the middle. Don't talk about Jesus, the one who saves, the one who opened physical and blind eyes. You know, you know. And so he, here it is. Now they, you know, they seeing Jesus 
but they deny him being God. Jesus said, when you see me, you see the father, mm. you know. And so the Pharisees, they, they try to make a case by they accused the man of being Jesus' disciple. That's true. The man didn't deny that. They questioned the origin of Jesus. They try to question the man's knowledge. man just met Jesus. You know, the man just met Jesus. Now they're trying to question his knowledge about Jesus. Now look at here. Ain't this something? This man know more about Jesus than they do, and he just met him. And they've been, they've been in charge all these years, and they still, they know about Moses, they know about Abraham, but they don't, and they know about the Messiah, but they just don't want to believe it because they didn't expect all these miracles. They didn't expect all these miracles. They thought he might come to them and let them teach him. But Jesus was all, could not deny all the people's sicknesses on the way to the temple. You know, he, he couldn't deny the work he had already done. He couldn't deny that he was touched by these the infirmity of these people that he had met previously. He could not deny all the, the need of the people that was put on him as he was traveling to the Jerusalem to go to the feast. That was not his nature. When y'all circumvented the people, y'all didn't even want to walk down the, the Samaritan road to get to the place. Y'all circumvented them. Jesus said, I got to go through Samaria, you know. And as he met the woman at the well and healed her, met the man at the pool of Bethesda and healed him, met the lady in the, in the, in the crowd with the issue of blood and healed her, met the woman who had been bent over 18 years and healed her. Mm. Four people bought their friend on top of somebody's roof, tore the roof up and lowered him down on the pallet, and Jesus healed him as he preaching in the crowd. He's doing all these miracles, and don't think they hadn't heard about it. So Jesus wasn't trying to circumvent nobody. No, he, was. he was trying to meet the need of the people because he is Jehovah Jireh, their provider. He can supply all their need according to rich and glory by Christ Jesus, whether it be physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally. It doesn't matter to Jesus. He don't run from needs. He come to meet the needs, which they had kind of like avoided. You know, they stayed in them temples and hid them behind them robes up in them high seats. Mm. And, you know, John was the only one that ever came out, mm. followed Jesus. He came out. He had a father when they had him in there testifying. He, he went to him at night. He want to know. You said, now, wait a minute. You testified. You said, I, I got to be born again? Mm. Go back in my mother. Is that what I heard you say the day before the council? And eventually John believed and got saved. Out of all yeah. them people on the Sanhedrin council, you know, only one believed and it was John, you know. And so, you know, they, 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 they putting all this pressure, you know, all this clear evidence, they don't want to see that Jesus is God, so they try to accuse the man of being Jesus' disciple, and then they try to question the origin of Jesus. You don't know something, but you're going to question it. We know that God spake unto Moses, do you really? As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. He told you he came from the Father. He says, my kinsmen, if you look over in the book of Luke chapter 8, verse 21, 20, he said, my kinsmen are those who hear the word of God and do it. So you ain't hearing it, therefore you ain't going to do it. So you're not my kinsman anyway. You're not my disciple anyway. My disciples know me. In other words, they won't follow. They know me. Verse 30, he goes on to say, amen. The man answered and said unto them, why here is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is. And yet he has opened mine eyes. Now here this man continues to testify. I don't care what they do, what kind of pressure, how they dog his mama and, and dad out. This man's testimony is just as solid. And I tell you, he amped it up, Pastor Sherrod. I know he really got on there. He said, herein is a marvelous thing. 
you know, Nicodemus, I'm sorry, Nicodemus, you know. Herein is a mock, in the book of John, Nicodemus in the book of John that went to Jesus at night, you know, over in the third chapter of John. Uh, thank you for that correction. But, you know, here this man is, he said, look, don't you know these kind of miracles? These are marvelous things. Yes. God does marvelous things because he wanted to distinguish himself from anybody else. And this man recognized it. He said, herein is a marvelous thing and you questioning me instead mm -hmm. of embracing this marvelous thing that the Lord has done in my life. My God, the man's testimony, marvelous things have happened here, y'all. Mm. You know, not only this one time, there have been marvelous things. There have been a trail and a string of marvelous things. But they just refuse to see it because they're blinded by what day of the week it is. God is God seven days a week, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. Any place, time with any people, it doesn't matter to God. He always is God, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-benevolent, never-changing. Same yesterday, today, and forever, you know. And so look at, that. look at what he's saying. He said, has opened mine eyes. And you think I'm not going to testify about this marvelous thing? Verse 31, he says, now we know that God heareth not sinners. They just still ain't believing. But if any man be worship, be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. So they're saying, we know that God does not hear the prayers of sinners, but those of worshipers. Now, they took it for granted that they were worshipers. You know, but they worship God with their mouth and lips, but their heart was far from God. Mm -hmm. This man worshiping God with his whole heart, with it, with everything, even, mm -hmm. even, even, even with his eyes open. He worshiping God, calling it a marvelous thing. God has done a marvelous thing, giving God the praise right from his heart. You know, in the midst of all this, this potential excommunication from the synagogue, parents getting kicked out on the streets. This man, okay, he worshiping God. And God is seeking for such that will worship him this way, in spirit and in truth. This man ain't changing often the truth because he fear what they're going to do to him. We don't fear what man can do unto us because God will always make a way for us to escape that we might be able to bear it. He ain't going to put no more than he know we can bear. He knew this man could handle this. You know, he knew. He knew that these people were not going to lie. They weren't going to make up stuff. Even though they were afraid, they still told the truth, you know. They still held on to their confession and their profession. They, didn't, they, they were pressured, but guess what? They did not change. Verse 32, he says, Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? So, you know, he said, but hey, my experience right now proves that Jesus is from God. All my life I've been like this. You don't have to take my word for it. Look at me. You've known me as long as we've been in this synagogue. That proves that Jesus, somebody, he had to come from God. No man has ever done this. Y'all have never, ever prayed, lay hands on me, and I receive my sight. So to me, this proves it, you know. I don't know what it proves to you, but I know what it proved to me. And it's proven to others, too, because some of them had also received miracles. Amen. Verse 33, he goes on to say, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Look at what he's saying. You, I don't need to convince you who God is. If he ain't of God, it'll all come out in what he does, mm -hmm. you know. But because of what he does, this, this proves and this testifies of who he is, mm -hmm. of his greatness. He's doing marvelous things. And for that, we ought to be glad. To be Not glad. trying to find reasons to, to discredit, you know, what he's doing, but embrace what he's doing. You know, this is what we've been waiting on, the Savior. 
Verse 34, he says, they answered and said unto him again, thou was altogether born in sins and doest thou teach us? Yes. And they cast him out. So you see the Pharisees, now they deny this man's experience, this proof. And then what they end up doing is throwing the man out. Why? You got all these people in there hearing this witness, hearing this testimony, you know, and he's teaching them some things. He's teaching them that, oh, this is a marvelous thing. You hear you don't know where he came from, you know. You say you know Moses who talked about Jesus coming, the Messiah, you know. They didn't like that, man. Man knew more about scripture than they did, you know. So you see no upstanding, you know, rich, wealthy person with status quo necessarily going to be used by God. They may hold the position. They may wear the title, but they don't possess the power. And they may even have a word. You know, tradition of men have made the glorious gospel of no effect. They could persuade this crew. You know, they couldn't persuade this man. They could persuade his mother and father otherwise. They were going to believe to the very end, threatening to be excommunicated, kicked out of the church, you know, thrown out completely, banned for life. But they had Jesus. No matter what happened after that day right there, they had Jesus. They couldn't deny. They, they, they could not deny that profession, that confession that what Jesus did you know, was real. That was proof enough for them. They were one. They were permanently saved. They were never going to have to be saved again. They were never going to doubt him again. And so no matter what kind of pressure, no matter what them Pharisees did, no matter what kind of pressure life puts on you or this world put on you, don't you ever lose your confession of faith, how you got saved. You got to defend it to the very end. That's why I said we work out our salvation with fear and trembling and do into the end to be saved. And in this world we live in, we're going to have some trials and tribulations. There are going to be some persecution, but pray for those who persecute us, you know. And so let's go on to verse. Um, so we see it right there. This man's experience improved. They threw him out. You know, that proves right there that what the Lord had already wanted is going to happen. It happened. Mm -hmm. But that proved that's who he is because what he said is what happened. He's not a man that he should lie. He warns us ahead of time. Verse 35, he says, and Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, <clears throat> he said unto him, doest thou, look at what Jesus asking the man. Now, Jesus want to know how they called you to change your mind with all them threats since this miracle happened. Mm -hmm. I'm just checking. You, you know, you, do you still believe? Believe on the Son of God? Ask them a question. Now, let's see what the man's response is. Seeing Jesus as the Son of God, Jesus sought the man who had been thrown out, not invited out, not asked to leave, but thrown out of the synagogue, Jesus invited him to believe in the Son of God, and the man requested to know the Son of God. Mm. He already knew the mother clown, Pastor Sharon. Come on. You know, he didn't even ask Jesus, do you know them? Mm. You know, he wanted to know who the Son of God is. And listen to how what Jesus said in verse 36, what, how the conversation go. He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Powerful. Verse 37 and Jesus, now look at this. And Jesus said unto him, thou hast both seen him and it is he that talketh with thee. And so now Jesus identifies himself as the son of God, just like we saw back in verse 35. Mm. So Jesus ain't beating around no bush. Mm. You know, he, he ain't talking about I'm the weekly revivalist. Mm. I'm the Come one on. going to do the conference. You know, you know, I'm the one that's going to host the concert. I'm the one that's going to be, you know, be, be taking up money when I come mm -hmm. to pay for my trip. Mm -hmm. No, he said, I'm the son of God. He had not changed who he is. He goes on in verse 38 and he says, and he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Mm 
So if you believe or you're a believer, then guess what? It shouldn't be hard for you to worship God. Ooh, shouldn't be hard to praise God. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't be hard to have that song, which we've been talking about lately, having that song in your heart because you sing to him who's searching for such people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. If he really saved us like this man. Now I want to add something right here. Notice all along. What is Jesus doing with this man? Pastor Sharon, mm -hmm. he is talking with him. Mm -hmm. This man is talking with Jesus, mm -hmm. not to Jesus, not at Jesus, not but he's talking with him. And in a previous scripture, it said that Jesus spake with the man. Jesus mm -hmm. talked with the man. So, see, we should communicate to Jesus the same way he communicates to us. Right. Talk with him. He's talking with us. He's not mm. talking down to us. No, it's not. He wants to talk with us. He wants to have a conversation with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. Not where we just talk, bombard heaven with, with, with our list, our list. No, he wants to talk with us. He wants us to talk with him. Mm. This leads mm. to worship. This leads to belief in him. He draws so near to us. We have to draw near to him. And now the, the, the dialogue and the communication can happen. I promise you, he will not throw you out. He will not kick you out. He will not order you out. You know, especially when you believe in on him, especially mm -hmm. when you giving him an answer to his question that he's asking you. And it pleases God. When a man's ways please God, he'll make even his enemies be at peace with him. Look yes. at this man. This man is no yes. longer worried about the fact he's been kicked out the synagogue. He found the savior. Mm -hmm. And if you know, listen to this now. If Jesus wasn't up in the synagogue, I wouldn't want to be up in there. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be in the church to find Jesus. You can find Jesus, a visitation of Jesus in your home, in your car, on your job, on Come the on. streets. Come on. You know, but sometimes we just depend so much on the church. We don't go to the church to find Jesus, to worship Jesus. Mm -hmm. We go to see who's going to be there. What we go to wearing. see who, what they're wearing, what they're driving, who the speaker today, who's singing today, who's doing a praise dance today. You know, man. is there a guest? Is there a woman? Is it my favorite minister? You know, all these other things, you know. But church should start well before I even get to the synagogue. Come on, Pastor. You know, this man right here, man, he got thrown out. And Jesus found him. Let me tell you something. When you maintain your profession and confession of Jesus, and if people even excommunicate you. I remember Pastor Sharon and I, we was in the church, man, and we were growing so fast and so rapid because we were we were in the word. We was auditing classes, taking classes for credit. We was cramming as much. We, we, had, we had started a prayer ministry at our home. I mean, we were doing everything we could to get in a better relationship in a place with Jesus. And it was taking place. It was happening. We couldn't stop it because God had called us. We didn't call him. He chose us. We didn't choose him first. He loved us before we could love him. But as we began to grow and mature and people began to pay attention to it, before you know it, it we, we could sense and feel that there was some excommunication ideas because we became a threat to the ministry. Why? Because when you wasn't speaking the truth to us, we were letting you know. We were just letting you know that we know who Jesus is. We got a relationship with him. Come on. Where's your relationship with him? And before you know it, you know, we were no longer there because our, our time had ended. They took us for what they could. They couldn't take us no further. They gave us all they could. They couldn't give us what they never received. And they couldn't, oh, you know, Jesus. so we kept going with Jesus. And when we left out of that building, Jesus didn't leave us. Mm. You know, he, he said, just go and don't do the people what was done to you. So Jesus didn't leave us. He found us. Mm. He stayed with us. He never abandoned us. He did mm. not leave this man just because they kicked him out of the building. Come on. Just because they released him and let him go. Come on. 
Jesus found him. It's what the words say, Jesus found him. So let's finish up, man, uh, these other few verses right here. You know, in verse um, 38, he said unto him, I, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. What a great response. So let's wrap this up. Let's, let's bring this conclusion on in. Verse 39, he says, and Jesus said, but judgment, I am not coming to this world. Okay. That they which see not might see and that they which see might be made blind. And so you see the lesson here is this, okay, about the revelation of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus' message or Jesus' mission for coming was to bring judgment. <clears throat> so much stuff had been going on, it needed to be judged. Yes. And in the process, you know, uh, you coming in, you preaching the word of God, your father. And the Bible says it's a stumbling block to the Jews mm -hmm. because they require signs. They require oneness. And they got all that. And guess what? They still stumbled. Mm. So they, they needed judgment. So now it went next to the Gentiles. And they require wisdom. They're not going to believe nothing unless they get some wisdom. Mm. And he gave them wisdom. And guess what? Some of them got converted. Yes. This man, you know, he, he's a Jew. So he got converted. But there were other Gentiles mm. who got converted too. Mm. Because the Jews first rejected it. So Jesus had to judge that. He had to judge their sin. But he's not going to judge you without giving you a way out, a way to escape. You know, so first he came to do what? Teach the kingdom of his father and require people to do it. We read that back in Luke. Remember when he came? I think Pastor Phoebe taught that. So he didn't come, you know, he, he did not come to, 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 to give us what we deserve, but he came to judge all unrighteousness. So you didn't have to be unrighteous. He told you, uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. They're the hypocrites. They're the ones that's teaching false doctrine. They're the ones that's coming mm -hmm. with the excellency of speech and enticing words and philosophy, denying my spirit, you know. And he said, so that's what I came to judge, the unrighteous works of the devil, you know, and how they're embracing it and spreading it like it's the gospel. Thank you, Lord. You know, he said, that's what I came to judge. I came to judge that lying spirit. I came to, love, to judge that, that false teaching, that false preaching, you know, that, that tradition of men, mm. you know. That's what I came to judge, you know. He said, because they think they can see because they are here spewing this hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. He said, but they're blind to the truth. They're blind to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Thank God for John's revelation of Jesus Christ. He wrote this down that we might believe. Mm. And that we might have eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's in the book of John chapter 20, verse 31, is what we, what we preference this whole teaching on, if you remember. Mm. You know, you know. And so, he, you know, he tells them here, you know, that's what I came to do. And if you run around talking about you, 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 you can see, you know, you're you, you going to be judged. You know, you got to become blind to the things of, of your own understanding, things of this world, so that I can open your eyes to the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you know who he is, just like he opened this man's eyes. Perfect illustration, perfect picture of salvation there, both physically and spiritually. Now this man can see and he can behold wondrous things from the plan of salvation, and Jesus can't get rid of him, not that he's trying. It's a worshiper now. Let's go to verse 40. He says, and some of the Pharisees, look at this, some but not all of them, some of them are being won over, which were with him, heard these words, and said unto him, are we blind also? That's that old religious spirit right there. That's that old traditional spirit right there. You know, that, that, ex, you know, that, old, that old expectation that they have that they want to try to try to get Jesus into a debate. You ain't on his level. Mm. You know, he oh, know man. the end of a thing at the beginning. He knew what's in your yes, heart before he ever yes, got there. Yes. You, you can't trick him like that. 
You don't know enough. You know, he's infinite. His wisdom is infinite. It's mm. far above. He's, he's the preeminent one. He's yes. the Christ. He's the, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. You know, he is the, he is the personification of God. So don't even go there. He, he, he'll blow you away on any intellectual level. He'll get down on your level and be with sinners and publicans. Mm. So he, he, he got all the communication skills. He's a very effective communicator. So don't even try to go there with Jesus. So forget about your little expectations. Amen. And just believe that's the only thing you can do. Okay. He said, if you want to be exempt from judgment, drop your expectations of me and just believe like everybody else that I'm who I say I am. I'll do what I say I will do. I'll give you some proof. You know, mm. I'll back it up. Can you back up what you say? You know, that's what Jesus is challenging them with. Uh, verse 40, he said, I mean, uh, verse uh, 41, he says, Jesus said unto them, last verse, Jesus said unto them, if ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, not what I say, ye say, we see. Therefore, your sins remain. So check out what this declaration Jesus makes. Jesus know where these clowns at. You know, he said this to convict them of their hypocrisy and their sin. And their sin was one of hypocrisy. They spewing out all these falsehoods. But Jesus knew better. He knew them better than they knew themselves. He knew where they were at. He was very aware, Pastor Sheldon, of their blindness. That it was more spiritual than physical. And he had done did a tremendous miracle. Healed this man both physically and spiritually. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to end right there. Amen. Praise God.